the Sports on Point Weekly Rewind, a week in review with Matt Smith and Bob Williams. Let's back it up. Well, it's been two weeks, but we don't really care about last week, so let's get to this past week on This Week in Sports. Last week never happened. That's right. No. This is a section where we cover the top shared stories on the internet from every day of this past week, and our host will give a short comment on each day, starting off with Thursday. A.J. Hawk, Green Bay Packers, agreed to a five-year deal. What do we think about that, Bob? Uh, this is a good deal all around uh, for Green Bay. Gets them out of the $11 million contract uh, guarantees going on here. That, unfortunately, an inside linebacker not named Ray Lewis doesn't really deserve for A.J. Hawk. He, he gets to keep a lot of the uh, this year, or if there is this year, first year of the contract, whenever that is, uh, he'll be guaranteed. I think it was just under or right around $10 million, which, hey, he's getting more uh, upfront money. So good deal for all. Yeah, I think uh, I think if you'd have talked about uh, the kind of contract that he's re-signing at the beginning of the year this year, uh, a lot of people would have looked at you like you're crazy. He was uh, really kind of starting to look coming into the season like a, a player who wasn't going to live up to his potential. But uh, after going from role player in the defensive scheme to a major force in a Super Bowl championship team, uh, restructuring his contract uh, just, just made a lot of sense for both of them to get um, uh, to get you know the uh, to get the financial freedom that it afforded the Green Bay Packers, and of course um, to to uh, get uh, AJ Hawk solidified so that he's got multiple years left on his deal and still learning what I would consider a fair amount for the uh, role he plays. Also on Thursday, San Diego Chargers to ink safety Bob Sanders to a one-year deal. This from ESPN, Matt. Bob Sanders has been the absolute tragic story of the NFL over the last several years. He's only actually played in nine regular season games since 2007. I think what uh, San Diego is looking for here when they sign a guy like Bob Sanders is, sure, they're expecting him to be a good player on the field, someone who can lead a defense that has been um, a little bit suspect from time to time against the run, um, which, of course, as a, at a safety position, Bob Sanders' specialty is as a run stopper. So it makes a lot of sense, but I think what San Diego is looking to get more even out of that uh, from a guy who's been so injury-prone, I think they're, they're looking to get a leader in the locker room and someone who puts a, a positive face on a defense that has uh, actually a team as a whole that's uh, personality and, and – uh, uh, pride have been uh, questionable over the last several years. Yeah, this is definitely a lower wit, low risk, high reward type deal. If he doesn't see the field, okay, whatever. Um, but like Matt was saying, it, it's definitely more of a locker room influence. He he's brought from a winning culture to to you know a, another winning culture that's just kind of been wishy washy. Hasn't really had a a face on the defense since Sean Marion. So, you know, like I said, low risk, high reward. We'll see how it pans out. This past Friday, Oklahoma City Thunder lost Nate Robinson for up to six weeks. Uh, This actually really isn't a big deal. Uh, They played Philadelphia tonight. They won in overtime. I think it would have been more of a bigger issue if it was Kendrick Perkins. Uh, he, He was the major significant piece for that trade don't get me wrong nate robinson's a solid backup but that's what he is he's a backup 
where Perkins is your, your starting center now. So, hey, get get into the, the first, second round of the playoffs. If he's still there, he might be able to help them off the bench, but I, I don't think it's that big of a loss. Yeah, Nate Robinson, of course, came over from Boston in the trade along with um, along with Kendrick Perkins and uh, didn't really have a whole lot of time to fit in or make his place, carve his niche out, so to speak, in the uh, the Thunder offense or, or uh, you know, their gameplay altogether. But um, if, I, if I do my math correct, I think uh, the, the injuries got him out four to six weeks. I think that's going to put him right back right around the end of the regular season going into the playoffs, which in most cases I would say that's a good thing to get the guy back and get him ready for the playoff run. But I think with the way that this whole scenario is is now Nate's not really going to have that opportunity to become a meaningful piece of this team before the playoffs start. And the playoffs isn't exactly a time to put new pieces in. I think think we might just have seen the last of Nate Robinson for this year. Also on Friday, Mike McCarthy and Green Bay Packers agreed to a new multi-year deal. Matt? Apparently the Green Bay Packers were a busy organization last week, uh, Thursday and Friday, signing uh, deals to A.J. Hawk and Mike McCarthy. But uh, I like this signing. Uh, Mike McCarthy obviously is going to get a lot of credit because he led his team to a Super Bowl victory in, in the NFL was what matter. And if that's not results, I don't know what is. Uh, but I do think it's uh, I do think it's important to note that McCarthy has been to the playoffs three times in his five seasons as the head coach, and he was he was there when Brett Favre retired and Aaron Rodgers got promoted. He's had a big hand in the development of Aaron Rodgers, and uh, I think uh, a lot of credit goes to Mike McCarthy, even though from time to time he has been booed by the Green Bay faithful. I think uh, I think they found a coach that they can stick they can keep around and, and be successful with for years to come. Uh, def- definitely a, a good uh, restructuring or a new deal for McCarthy and Green Bay. Honestly, when you think of one of the better organizations, organizations you you think of the Green Bay Packers. You know, especially since the whole Brett Favre era became here, and McCarthy, like you were saying, Matt, provided a smooth transition, and they just came off of a Super Bowl, and they're definitely built to keep going you know they're gonna be a a team year in and year out with the next five seven years depending on how things play out to be right there so why not keep the coach that's that's gotten you this far on saturday number 13 unc tops number four duke 81 to 67 for the acc title bob yeah it would be interesting to see how uh, different of a game this would be if Kyrie irving wasn't hurt there's talks that he might show up or be at least dressed for the ACC tournament and maybe into the uh, actual NCAA tourney. But other freshmen that are coming up big is Kendall Kendall Marshall and Harrison Barnes from UNC, who definitely put up and and pushed UNC over the top. And these guys, if they continue, you have a good shot of this team going very, very far in the uh, NCAA tourney. Yeah, I thought the interesting thing about this Duke uh, game was I think when you look at these two rosters, North Carolina and Duke have very, very different types of players on their squad. Um, and, and when this game started up right off the bat, it looked like Duke really wanted to run with North Carolina and the athletic 
athletic makeup of the North Carolina roster just really makes that a ill-advised move on the on the part of Coach K. But uh, ultimately, the the Tar Heels came back. They they won the game, and early in the season, when you know Duke was the number one team in the country, and the Tar Heels were struggling a four and three record. I don't think anybody really saw the season shaping out the way that it did. So uh, big ups to Roy Williams and the squad out there in Chapel Hill for, for really turning the season around and making something out of nothing. Also on Saturday, Dwight Howard of Orlando Magic to serve technical suspension Monday. Yeah, this of course coming down to the coming down from the NBA rule where anything over 16 technical fouls in the regular season results in a automatic one game suspension. Um, this isn't uh, this isn't anything new for Dwight Howard. He had the same suspension last year. Of course, Howard very very famous for throwing elbows around the NBA, and this is what got him in trouble again. Um, let's not forget Dwight Howard led the league in technical fouls last year in the regular season, and actually had a bit of a problem with them in the postseason as well. So there's nothing really all that su- surprising about this story. No, pretty much serves as this is a a part of his game that he needs to uh, have a a quick maturation in because come playoff time, he can't do any of that. Look look at the uh, Rasheed Wallace-driven Detroit Pistons when he was in the the volatile part of his career. Yeah, they were a good playoff team, but if he exploded, their chances went down significantly. So hopefully for Orlando and all their fans, the White gets a rain on this and, and doesn't let it take over. On Sunday, Dallas Mavericks owner in talks with Charlie Sheen about show for HDNet. Bob? I have a feeling tigers everywhere are crying a little bit because I have a feeling this this show is going to be all about tiger blood and can't being the cancer of happen and all this other fun stuff. So I'm all for a TV show. I, I hope this happens. It, it should be a Charlie Sheen walking around with Mark Cuban this has potential. Oh yeah, uh, potential is is definitely something that this has. Um, I don't know if I would say it's good potential. It has more like train wreck potential. Um, but of course, as we all know, every, everyone has a hard time turning away. Uh, actually, it's kind of funny. Uh, Charlie Sheen was doing a little uh, uStream show over the past uh, couple of days on uh, called Sheen's Corner, and apparently, in the most recent episode. He announced that he wasn't going to be continuing to do that, um, which I don't know if that means that uh, these talks are, are serious and, and uh, maybe there is a show coming pretty soon. Or maybe it just means that Charlie Sheen is just so absolutely ridiculous and crazy that he couldn't even help but firing himself from his own show. Also on Sunday, Tim Tebow, Amari Stoudemire support dismissed BYU F. Davies. Matt. This, of course, going back to the story from uh, late last week where uh, BYU player was suspended and kicked off of the team for admitting to having sex with his girlfriend um, and violating the BYU code of conduct. There's been a lot in the media, on the blogs, and just general public opinion forums going against BYU because this is one of their big-time post players for a team that had a shot at 
being a number one seed before this happened and, and how could they let their season slip away because of something so trivial. But I actually, I, I agree with T-Bone Stoudemire. I think that, uh, I think that BYU is doing the right thing here, whether your whether your principles or beliefs say that it's what he, what the kid did was wrong or not. What it boils down to is when you sign up to attend the university of Brigham Young, you sign a code of conduct which means that you sign a legally binding contract that says that there are certain things that you will not do. You will abstain from. Um, I signed that contract just like everybody else. And when he didn't follow through with the rules, they followed through with the contract. That's the way life works. Yeah. You said it perfectly. It's life. Uh, Unfortunate for, for all parties involved, unfortunate for everything. Even the media getting hold of this and, Hey, put everything aside. He did sign the contract. You know, hopefully, you know, this doesn't affect him too much going pro because you know he's going to enter enter the draft. And I, I hope the best for the man. On Monday, Ohio State Buckeyes take firm hold of number one in coaches' poll. Bob. Well, I don't. I don't think uh, Mr. Bo Ryan can deal with it because uh, <laughs> with Ohio State pretty much manhandling Wisconsin the, on the game in Sunday, that's pretty much what vaulted the, the Buckeyes to, to take such a, a strong hold onto the number one uh, in the coaches' poll, and hopefully this leads them into a number one in the uh, actual NCAA brackets. This actually, I, I, I've, I've always kind of felt this way. When it gets late in the season for teams that are undefeated, I think that the pressure mounts to a certain level where, where, where it becomes difficult to focus on the things that you're supposed to focus on because the big picture becomes so blaringly obvious in those situations. And I think that, um, I think that back on February 12th, uh, the four-point loss to the University of Wisconsin at Wisconsin was a very good eye-opener. Um, obviously, it took them some time to, to get the message fully across because they did, did lose again eight days later. But since that loss uh, to number 11, Purdue, on the road, um, they've won versus Illinois by 19 points. They've won by 19 points against Indiana, won by 19 points points against Penn State, a team that's played them very close. And then, of course, this absolute destroying of Wisconsin in the rematch in Columbus. Uh, I don't know how you would put them anywhere other than number one. Um, and for folks in northeastern Ohio, if you got yourself a, a a ticket to the NCAA tournament, first couple of rounds being played here in Cleveland, you may have the rare treat of seeing your hometown Buckeyes playing right there at, uh, right there at the queue. Rare treat! Also on Monday, Texas Tech Red Raiders fire Pat Knight as basketball basketball coach. Matt? Yeah, this isn't really a surprising move. Pat Knight really has been pretty underwhelming in his tenure at Texas Tech. I think it's an unfortunate situation for Pat because he, he's been kind of set up for failure. This uh, uh, this team was, was, or I should say, this this guy wasn't really ready to be a head coach at a, at a college at this level. Um, he was in there as a succession plan when his father left uh, a few years ago, and he hadn't really spent enough time as a coordinator or as an assistant coach. 
um, to, to, to really warrant being a head coach, especially at a, at a quote unquote BCS conference school like Texas tech. I think this whole, the way that this whole thing is shaken out is, is really kind of bringing to light something that I felt for a long time, which is that the, the system of coaches in waiting that's, that's gone on in college ranks, uh, in both college football and college basketball, I think is a flawed system. And, and hopefully a lot of the universities that, uh, that allow those types of things to happen will maybe get a second look at that. If you're talking about the coach in waiting, if it's someone who has a track record or who has an experience, I don't see why not if that coach is willing to wait. But but Pat Knight, unfortunately for him, his father didn't do him the great justice. I don't see him being out of a job. There will be some smaller 1A team that will pick him up at a later date probably, you know, once he gets a little bit more experience and maybe – he can have a second shot. On Tuesday, ex-New York Giants player Tiki Barber files to play in the NFL again. Bob? Yeah, when I heard this, this is kind of shocking. I know Tiki Barber actually decided to retire a little bit early, but the fact that he's now 30 or going to be 36 in April, I don't know how much legs there are to this actual a whole point what he's trying to do i'm assuming he's probably trying to get some extra money but this is a running back position where it's a young man's game spot position and unfortunately for tiki i don't i don't think he's got it especially if there's no season this year yeah it's it's kind of an interesting move especially since there is such a high risk of not being a season this year but um tiki barber I think is the is the perfect case for an individual to disprove the theory that there's no such thing as bad publicity because um, between the comments that he made about the New York Giants organization immediately after leaving and uh, the the situation that unfolded when uh, um, when he apparently uh, left his pregnant wife to you know uh, begin dating a younger more attractive, whatever, um, the, 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 the windfall from these things is, has made him somewhat toxic in the media game. And, uh, also on the football field, I think if he does make a successful comeback, just about the only team that I think would be interested in signing him is, is, uh, Tampa, just because the, the fact that his twin brother, uh, Rondé plays, uh, plays for the, for the Buccaneers. Also on Tuesday, George Carl and Denver Nuggets agreed to multi-year deal. Matt? This was kind of an interesting move. I, I was kind of under the impression with all the health problems and, and uh, you know, stints in the hospital and things that have, have gone on with George Carl over the last two years that uh, uh, maybe it was about time for him to, you know, focus a little bit more on his personal health health and uh focus a little less on the basketball world but uh, apparently the the guy wants to keep going and and hey more power to him he's uh appears to be uh doing some uh good work in the fight against cancer so why not uh why not let him keep fighting on the court as well yeah definitely health issues are going to be his biggest thing and, and hopefully you know that this works out for him denver yeah they did lose carmelo and Chauncey, but they do have some flexibility for, you know, maybe a quick turnaround. Who knows? And and if they can pull something off like that, definitely George Carl is going to be the guy that you want there fighting for your guys. On Wednesday, NCAA official head states 
finish unacceptable in St. John's win. Okay, I actually got the the pleasure of watching this today while getting my car fixed. Bye bye, three hundred dollars. Yeah, this this entire like last twenty seconds of of the game was just a mad dash for everyone and everything. You had the St. John's team muffing a, a rebound or muffing a inbound pass that went out of. Uh, that went back out of bounds, gave the ball back to Rutgers. Rutgers turns the ball over. They get it back again. They turn it over. There's possible fouls, non-fouls. The biggest thing is, is that St. John's gets the ball back with about two, three seconds left. At 1.6 seconds, you see on the clock, the guy steps out and chucks the ball up in the air. They don't even go to the monitor and check this. That's just Ludicrous, man. That's ludicrous, and not the rapper. And 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 all of course, if if this isn't a two point finish at the end, then none of this really matters. But this is this is definitely a scenario where the referees undeniably altered the altered the course of this game. I'm not gonna say that uh, I'm not gonna say that the outcome would have been different. But with uh, with the St. John's player stepping on the out of bounds line with 1.6 seconds left in the clock, we're talking about an inbound pass from three quarters court, and uh, Rutgers would have had a had a shot at making something at the end to to win or send it to overtime. And that that chance that they had was really denied by a bad officiating crew who I, I, I can't help but notice that they very specifically put their heads down, avoided eye contact, and rushed off the court as quickly as possible because I think they knew they got this one wrong. And rounding the week off on Wednesday, Eric Spolstra dismisses Chris Bosch's comments on role in the offense. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I think this, this ongoing scenario with the Miami Heat and this losing streak that they're, uh, uh, they're enduring – so horribly for them I, it must be rough um, but uh, it, it's it's really kind of brought out some interesting post-game uh, interview material it's just some some odd things being said by these guys in the in the post-game interviews and and uh, Bosch was claiming that uh, he needs to get the ball where a big man is supposed to get the ball I got news for Chris Bosch. I've watched him play a lot over his career in the NBA. Chris Bosch gets the ball at the elbow, at the top of the key, and on the baseline. He does not get the ball in the post. He doesn't know how to play in the post. I don't know what he would do if you put him in the post and said you cannot move outside of this area for the rest of this game. Yeah, the biggest complaint with Chris Bosch up in Toronto was the fact that they did not have a banger next to him. They had Andre Bargnani, who was even more of a spread uh, big man than than Bosch himself. Bosch, you're you're absolutely right. It's not his game. It, it's the third wheel of this big trio trying to figure out what he needs to do. He needs to one shut up. He needs to two get the ball and when he does have the ball, be able to actually score and shoot and shoot reasonably re- reasonable shots. And three, do what every big man's paid to do in the NBA: rebound. Be a, be a tough interior presence. Until then, it, it's it's really just very disconcerting hearing him whine and moan. Well, that's been our weekly rewind. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please send your suggestions on how we can improve the show in your comments to feedback at sportsonpoint.com. 
You can also call the show at 646-39-POINT. That's 646-397-6468. Matt, why don't you give a rundown of what to expect on our weekly Sports on Point podcast. Yeah, everybody, make sure you tune in. We'll be talking a little bit more about the catastrophic losing streak going on down in Miami. We'll have a little preview of what we might see on Selection Sunday. And, of course, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the shenanigans going down at Ohio State and the developments of the NFL collective bargaining agreement. So make sure you catch it out and make sure you check it out. We'll have lots of good stuff for you.